give thanks to the Lord, for God is good, and God's steadfast love endures forever. Let us worship the Lord our God. sovereign how majestic is thy name in all the earth you have set your glory above the heavens when I look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars that you have established us until we find our rest in thee. In this hour, open our hearts to praise and thank you for your generous mercies to us. Gracious source of our being, we praise and thank you for even the breath of life given to us. Fill our hearts with your presence that our mouths may proclaim your praise. Grace and peace to you, and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, both those gathered in this sanctuary and also everyone worshiping in other locations. We are glad and grateful to gather together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because it is in Christ's name that we are gathered, our word of welcome is one that is always extended with no qualifying adjectives whatsoever attached to it. 
All are welcome in God's house and all are welcome at the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. We'd be very pleased if you would join us for a time of fellowship at the conclusion of this hour of worship, which will take place in Old Buttonwood Hall. Just go out this door to my right and down a very short ramp. There you will find that our deacons have prepared some light refreshments for us, but most importantly, you will find the opportunity for us to speak directly with one another, to engage more deeply with one another in our common life together. We'd also be very grateful if you would please sign the pew pad that is on your pew, even if you are sitting by yourself on the pew, because that is our way of contact tracing in the event that we would need to inform you of any exposure. So please do sign that friendship pad. I'd like to highlight a couple things out of the announcements portion of your bulletin for your particular attention. The first is, if you are a TNT, a 20 or 30, you're invited to a hike next Saturday, which will take place uh, out where I live, in Chestnut Hill, actually. So RSVP to Annie Lecluse, if you'd like to take part in that. She would love to include you in that. That's Saturday at 10 a.m. And if you need transportation, be sure and indicate that to Annie as well. You'll note as well that we have a volunteer opportunity next Saturday with the Urban Tree Connection. That is a fabulous organization that we at First Church have been supporting for quite some time. So if you have been looking for a way to volunteer that keeps you out of doors, this is a great opportunity to do that. And Carl Miller would love to tell you about it. His email address is there in the announcement, so you can just reach out to Carl directly. I'd also like to note that our previously scheduled new members class, which had to be rescheduled, is going to come up in a few weeks, so I'd love to hear from you if you would like to be a part of that class. And if you actually had already signed up for the other class, don't worry, I've already got you on the list and I'll be in touch to make sure we get that scheduled at a time when the most people can participate. And if you've ever wondered what is a new members class, well, it's just an opportunity to hear more about the life of this congregation, our particular history and our particular ministries, and we'd love to include you in that if you're interested. With all of these things noted, let us continue our worship now with our confession of sin. Holy and eternal God, at our best we fall short of the discipleship you call forth from each of us. At our worst we belie the grace given us in Jesus Christ. Our sin remains before us and we are powerless to save ourselves. The strength of our own efforts cannot make us whole. Wholeness comes only from you, and we affirm once more our need of your grace. Forgive our sin, we pray, and give us your spirit of truth to work wonderfully within us so that we may follow in the way you would have us go. For Jesus' sake. saying is true and worthy of full acceptance that Christ died to save sinners. Brothers and sisters, believe in the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first lesson comes from Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This ends the first reading. The second lesson is taken from John's Gospel narrative. We read in the 16th chapter from the 12th verse through the 15th. Continue now to listen for the word of God to us this day. I still have many things to say to you, 
but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Once, when a colleague of mine stepped into the pulpit to preach in the midst of a worship service that had been ongoing for nearly an hour already, there was an audible remark from the congregation, really, she's going to start preaching now? Now there is a certain caricature of the preacher who cannot pass a microphone without pausing to pontificate that is appropriately mocked lest I risk being included in such mockery, since today we have much to accomplish in our worship together, allow me somewhat humbly to remind us all that the Book of Order of the Presbyterian Church dictates that baptism is always attended with prayer and the reading of the Word and the preaching of the Word, and celebrated thusly, baptism is always a response to God's Word. This is as it should be. Theologically, we teach that baptism is always about what God is doing and not about what we are doing. What we will celebrate here today is not an action accomplished by us, but rather it is a confirmation of our belief about what God has already done. God has already provided for us in Jesus Christ. God has already provided for our salvation. God has already provided for our nurture. Everything that needs doing has already been done by God. The sacrament is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. And that's actually a classic definition of the sacrament. It is a visible sign of an invisible grace. The grace of God that we seal in baptism, the confessions of the church remind us, is sufficient for all of our needs. So our assurance of pardon from sin comes not from our works or our non-works. It's not from the doing of good deeds or the avoidance of bad behavior. No, our assurance of inclusion in the household of God comes only from the belief 
that God has already acted on our behalf. And if you let that sink in for a moment, this is a comfort of the highest degree. It means that rather than struggling with the soteriological problems of scholastic theology or the reconciliation of classical theories of atonement, rather than getting down in the weeds of Trinitarian theology, all of which is very interesting if you have an interest in historical theology, instead, we are freed just to get on with it. I mean that quite literally. Trusting that what we are doing today is not our own action, but rather the sign and the seal of what God has done, means that when it comes to faith, we don't have to spend our times looking over our shoulders. We don't have to count sheep at night, wondering whether our actions were sufficient for our salvation, as some of our forebears notoriously did, and perhaps some of us even still do. No, we are free. To trust in God, in God's goodness, and to just get on with living. Such trust formed the heart of Martin Luther's admonition to sin boldly. Now, Luther was not suggesting that we might cheapen God's grace by determining that since it's all covered, God, there's, sin's not a problem. Luther was actually saying exactly the opposite. He is saying that sin does matter but that God's grace is always sufficient for all of our needs. Therefore, Luther concluded, do not worry. Do the best you know. Leave the rest to God. That's what's meant by sinning boldly. As we turn in the course of our service of worship today from the sacrament of baptism to the installation of leaders into the ministries of our church, namely the class of 2025, my admonition in the light of the gospel, in the light of your baptism, is to trust God to be God. Sin boldly, God is in charge. And even with such an assurance, I do understand that there may necessarily still be some anxiety in assuming office in the church. Everyone who has a lick of sense knows what it is to be intimidated by the occasion on occasion, particularly during times of difficulties or challenges, such as the church has certainly faced over the last years and will surely continue to face in years to come. And on a day like this, when we ordain and install our new officers, elders who will be entrusted with the governance of this congregation, and deacons who will be entrusted with the care of this congregation, it is natural that perhaps one or two of our new officers, or, or maybe even three or four, might be feeling a little bit of consternation over the enormity of what it is they embark on this day. Good. It's a good thing to take the responsibility of ordination seriously. But we should not take ourselves too seriously either. Yes, it is true that God has given ordination as a gift to the church. And that means that the work of leadership is always necessarily undertaken by very normal people, with very clay feet at times, full of our own anxieties and fears. And lest it seem that I'm being a little too harsh on these officers-elect, remember that every word I say to you or I say about you, I say to and about myself. But on this Trinity Sunday, when we mark the ways that God is present to us, as we reflect on the nature of God and what it means to be in the image of God, we remember that 
God knows all of our foibles and still chooses us. That means that we can rest in the assurance of what God has done. It also means that this truth bears further repeating. The grace of God in your baptism is sufficient for all of our needs. As we were reminded last Sunday on Pentecost, God gives us the Spirit, God gives us the gift of God's Spirit to sustain us in the work that it, it takes to be church, to sustain us in every endeavor. And we were reminded that even when we grow weary, the Spirit of God continues working for us, working with us, working in us, working through us. And when we grow too weary to look out for ourselves, the Spirit of God prays for us with sighs too deep for words. Promises straight from the heart of God to sustain the work of leadership. And our gospel lesson today reminds us of another truth, as it reminds us that it is the Spirit of God who reveals to us all truth. The wisdom that is needed to lead the church forward comes not from ourselves, but from the very Spirit of God who has promised to reveal to us all truth. And so as our, our leaders do the work of discerning the way that God would have this congregation go in the years ahead, as our leaders do the work of discerning how God would have us care for this congregation in the years to come, we do well to remember that it is God, always God, who through the Spirit promises to reveal all truth to us, the truth that we need in order to be able to discern the will of God for this place. I remember being asked years ago by an elder who was new to the charge, as though I had some special insight, well, Baron, what is it you would have us do? And I replied with the only thing that I knew to say, which is, well, it's to discern the will of Jesus Christ for this place. No small task. So one teensy little reminder for us all. John's Gospel makes it very clear that for Christians, the way we know the truth is in Jesus Christ. And because God is love, the truth can never be separated from love. As I was musing over this text this last week, it came to my mind, perhaps that was the truth that Jesus thought was too great for his disciples to bear in that moment. The fact that the truth will always be love. That's the charge to us all as we fulfill our baptismal vows, as we fulfill the vows that we will shortly make to Sophia, to live in the fullness of God's love, to pray for our leaders, and to serve with our eyes always on Jesus Christ, so that this place, this community may be the very embodiment of the love of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
may be seated. Hear these words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hear as well these words from Holy Scripture. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. The promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls. And so obeying the word of our Lord Jesus and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. So let us remember with joy our own baptism, even as we celebrate this sacrament. On behalf of the session, I present Sophia Frances Higgins, daughter of Eddie and Westy Higgins, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Eddie and Westy, in presenting your daughter for baptism, it is right that you should make answer to these questions. First, do you desire that she should be baptized? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and teach that faith to your child? Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Sophia by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging her to know and follow Christ, and to be faithful and to be a faithful member of his church? If so, if so, please respond by saying we do. Through baptism, we enter the covenant that God has established. Within this covenant, God gives us new life, guards us from all evil, and nurtures us in love. In embracing that covenant, we choose whom we will serve by turning from evil and turning to Jesus Christ. And so as God embraces your child within the covenant, I ask you, for her sake, to reject sin and to confess your faith in Christ Jesus as we all stand and confess the faith of the church, the faith with which we baptize. What do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil by the waters of the flood, giving righteousness a new beginning. 
You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. <clears throat> In the waters of Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. By the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. We thank you, O God, for the water of baptism. In it we are buried with Christ in his death. From it we are raised to share in his resurrection. Through it we are reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Send your spirit to move over this water, that it may be a fountain of deliverance and rebirth. Wash away the sin of all who are cleansed by it. Raise Sophia to new life and graft her into the body of Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon her, that she may have the power to do your will and to continue forever in the risen life of Christ. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, be all praise, honor, and glory, now and forever. Amen. What is the Christian name of your daughter? Sophia Francis, daughter of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. May God's blessing rest on you this day and every day hereafter. Amen. This is Sophia Francis. And she is the newest baptized member of the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And you, each of you, you particularly, have made her an extraordinary promise. Because you have said to her that through the manner of your life, by what you say and by what you do, you will show her what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I admonish you, as always, Take that promise with the utmost of seriousness. And I invite you once more to affirm your intention by singing together our ironic blessing. Remembering that all we have and all we are is a gift from God, let us return to God the gifts of what we have taken from God's abundance and the prayers of our hearts with our morning offering. Remembering whether we make our gifts online or following the service, God loves a cheerful giver.
Holy God, for the abundance from which we receive all that we have and all that we need, we give you thanks through Christ our Lord. Bless these offerings and multiply them, that through their usage we might see your kingdom at work among us. Through Christ our Lord we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. There are varieties of gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but it is the same Lord who is served. God works through each person in a unique way, but it is God's purpose that is accomplished. To each is given a gift of the Spirit to be used for the common good. Together, we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are all called into the Church of Jesus Christ by our baptism and marked as Christ's own by the Holy Spirit. This is our common calling, to be disciples and servants of our servant Lord. Within the community of the Church, though some are called to particular service as deacons, as elders, and as ministers of word and sacrament. Ordination is Christ's gift to the Church, assuring that his ministry continues among us, providing for ministries of caring and compassion in the world, ordering the governance of the Church, and preaching the word and administering the sacraments. Representing the one holy Catholic and apostolic Church, the session of the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia now ordains Eno Mahetaj and Travis Thomas to the office of elder and installs them to service of the session. The session also installs Carolyn Prego and Matt McLaren in absentia to active service. The session ordains Heidi Artigue and Jamie Boehner to the office of deacon and installs them on the board. The session also installs Joshua Banks Chuck Hutchinson and Gene Whitmer in absentia to active service. Each of our officers or elector are invited to come forward now that they may answer the constitutional question and receive the laying on of hands as they are ordained and installed to office. So I invite you to come forward. In being received as the leaders of this church, it is right that you should make public answer to each of these questions. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ and the church universal, and God's word to you, do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you and will you? Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions, will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them and subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit, will you? Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world, will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church, do you? Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, will you? To those being ordained as deacons, will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and to those in need. In your ministry, 
will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ, will you? And to those being installed and ordained to the office of elder, will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in the governing bodies of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? At this point in our service, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do we, the members of the church, accept Heidi Ortigue, Joshua Banks, Jeannie Boehner, Chuck Hopchardson, Jean Whitmer, Carolyn Crago, Matt McLaren, Ina Mahetos, and Fraz Thomas as deacons and elders chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we? Do we agree to encourage them? to respect their decisions of the, the decisions of the session and to follow our officers as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of the church. Do we? At this point in our service, those who are to be ordained are invited to kneel to receive the laying on of hands, and those who are being installed may join in laying on of hands as well. Anyone who is ordained to the office of elder or minister of word and sacrament is invited to come and to participate in the laying on of hands as we pray for these new officers. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for your steadfast faithfulness to us. In every age, you have called forth leaders to serve you and equipped them with your gifts. Among your people, Israel, you anointed prophets, priests, and rulers. You called pastors and teachers, bishops, elders, and deacons to build up your church. With Moses, the 70 elders bore the burdens of your people ministering in the power of your spirit. Alongside the apostles, deacons cared for all in need and guarded the community's peace. In the church, deacons, elders, and pastors served together so that your whole people might be equipped for ministry and built up into the full unity of Christ. For your servants in every age, O God, and for the church of Jesus Christ, we give you all thanks and praise. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit upon our deacons, that they may be faithful deacons in the church. Give them openness to the Holy Spirit's leading, that they may see and serve wherever there is need. Train them in the school of prayer, that they may express the compassion of Christ for the poor and the friendless, the sick and the grieving and the troubled. Equip them with courage to bear the gospel into the halls of power and to communicate your presence and might among those who are powerless in everything. Give them the mind of Christ, who did not grasp at greatness but emptied himself to become a servant of your reign. Give them joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for their work of ministry. God of grace, Pour out your Holy Spirit upon our elders, that they may be your faithful elders in the church. Give them prudence and sound judgment, wisdom and courage to order the life of the church in obedience to your word. Nourish them in the life of the Holy Spirit, that they may exercise the ministry of discipline with humility and compassion. Guide them in governance on this session and in every court of the church that they may be servant leaders following Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life to set others free. Give them joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for their work of ministry. Gracious God, through the waters of baptism, you have claimed us as your own and called us to share in Christ's ministry. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us all, 
that we may discern the gifts that you have given, calling them forth from one another, and together use these gifts for the good of all. In obedience to Christ and in the unity of his spirit, may we proclaim good news, make disciples, be light and leaven, share our bread, offer a cup of cold water, wash one another's feet, make us strong in Christ to live as your people, and show forth your saving love in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear friends, you are now deacons and elders in the Church of Jesus Christ and for this congregation. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Pray the prayer our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As I said earlier, I will say again, you today have made an extraordinary promise. You have promised to be the family of faith 
And so as you do that, remember always, the grace of God in your baptism is sufficient for all your needs. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.